Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Project Egg Show. Today, we are interviewing Yara Golden, the story seller. How you doing today, Yara? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm so excited that we get to do this interview. So let's jump right in. First question for you is, what is your story? My story? Man, um, about five years ago, I ended a 10-year relationship and found myself uh, in the care of my two children and with like no work experience. So I'd been uh, out of work for about 15 years taking care of my house and my husband and the kids and uh, kind of took to Facebook really to tell the story of what had happened in my relationship, made my profile public and just kind of started using it as a journal because I didn't really believe that there was a bad guy in our divorce. Like we had kind of mutually decided that this is what we wanted to do, but there was a lot of questions and rumors and stories kind of rotating around us. And so I said, you know, if anyone's going to tell a story about this, I'm going to control the narrative. And so that's what I did. And pretty quickly I realized that people had a really big interest in what I was doing because I started getting friend requests like 70, 80 overnight right? Cause I had made my public, my profile public. And so my, my following grew pretty quickly and I found myself coaching people through their own relationship crises, right? And so I created a, a relationship coaching business in the midst of my divorce, which was mind blowing to me. Cause I was like, do you guys not see the disaster I just created? But I think the truth was that I was going back through my experience and finding the lessons in the mess and uh, kind of teaching from that. And I had a very, very high regard for marriage and for relationships. I didn't want people to just throw something away without really doing the work to see if it was salvageable, which most relationships are. Um, and so I did that for about four years. And in January of last year, I was approached by one of the inner circle members. Uh, I'm in Russell Brunson's inner circle. And she said, you know, I've, I've been watching you write. I love reading all of your stuff. Um, I feel like I could have written it myself if I had the time. Have you ever thought about writing for somebody else? And I really hadn't, but that was the thing that I'd been most consistent with in my business. Like I'd always communicated with my audience through long form copy and, um, not thinking it was copy, just literally telling my story. And so I started writing for her audience and we started emailing them. We started making money on the back end because we, my stories happen to sell something, right? Even though the calls to action aren't exactly um, what copywriters would consider a call to action. They're very much pointing at a product, a service, an event, um, a course. And so, you know, by the time we stopped working together in August of last year, every single email that we sent out was making her between $1,000 and $1,500. We were able to gain a ton of uh, information from the audience because what we're essentially doing is running a perpetual ask campaign because we're asking the audience like, hey, you know, are you interested in this? Have you gone through this? Are you stuck here? Are you stuck there? And the call to action is always to reply to the email so that we can actually get engagement. And um, the other really cool thing that it does is that it really allows you to see what pieces are resonating with your people. And for example, with Jamie, we were able to take uh, her cost per acquisition from $20 down to like $3.65 because we'd already tested the messaging with her list. And when we knew that it resonated, we were able to then take that over into marketing. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Just a 
trying to find my way, man. Let's jump back into the really early years. Um, what was your childhood like? What sort of home did you grow up in? Um, I had both of my parents. My parents have been married now for 42 years. I was born in San Diego, California, and I'm an only child. So I think, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you want me to share about it. There, there isn't really much to say. I had a happy childhood. <laughs> so what, what were some of the, the values that were pervasive through through, throughout your family? Like what, what things did y'all talk about at the, at the dinner table, if you will? Um, you know, my dad was always a big reader. Both of them are immigrants from Mexico. And so they came here and taught themselves how to speak English. My dad taught himself how to play the guitar. You know, he, he loved his books. And so he was constantly reading. And so he, you know, would go through all these books and he would just ask me questions and he would tell me what he was reading. And, they always invited deep thought, and I think um, wisdom was more valued than intellect. And so, and I think that the, the difference there is that intellect is something you know, right, in your brain, you understand it, but wisdom is something that you've experienced, that you've kind of tested by fire and gone through. And so, I think that one of one of the values, I guess, would be, you know, you you just you don't just know something like you, you don't know it until you do it. And when you know better, you do better, you know? So I think that's, that's kind of where they were always pushing me towards. It's like you go out there and you actually get your hands dirty and you try. As you were growing up in school, what sort of student were you? What sort of person were you growing up? I was not a good student. <laughs> I, uh, I was very um, kind of daydreamy. Like I would be in class and I've always, I always knew I could do the work. I, I could get straight A's if I wanted to, but I just never was captivated by the work that I was being asked to do. If, you know, unless there was a, a subject matter that we were studying that I was taken by, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered with school. So you know, and as far as socially, I think I just kind of floated around, you know, my school was very kind of clicky. So there was like the jocks and the cheerleaders and the, you know, the people that were into like street racing and just all of these different groups. And I was in choir. I love singing. I sang through like my entire schooling. And so I had, you know, my, my group of friends there, but I was just kind of a floater. Like I was friends with everybody, um, more like acquaintances, like everybody knew who I was. But I, I never, it was more like me and my boyfriend or like me and my one girlfriend and everybody else was there, but I had like my core people. And that's true of me to this day. Like I'm, I'm very introverted. I, you know, I'm very open and very transparent and I share a lot of stuff. But when like my close circle is like very, very small and those are the people that I can go to and that I feel comfortable with when I'm actually in the process of discovering or figuring out what I'm going to do or how I feel about something. How do you vet the people that you let into your inner circle? Hmm. Oh man, I just watch them. You know, I think it's really, really important to 
not only listen to what people say, but watch what they do, right? Like I, I don't care what you tell me, like I'm going to watch you and I'm going to see what you do and how you, how you act and how you occur, not only with me, but with the waiter and with somebody that you're upset with and with somebody that has everything and with somebody that has nothing, because I want to know what I can what I can count on you for and what I can't, right? And if you're willing to talk poorly about somebody behind their back, I'm sure that you're willing to talk poorly about me behind my back. And I think that, I think one of the reasons that I'm so cautious about the people that I really let into my inner circle is because when I'm friends with somebody, like there is no, like there, there is nothing you could ask of me that I wouldn't do. And I've been hurt in the past. And so I want to make sure that the people that I'm letting into that space are, I don't want to say worthy or like deserving, but like are like my people, you know, and that, and that I can count on them for things like that as well. When you were moving into high school and then, and then into college, um, how did you choose? And and first of all, did you go to college? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so what was that like for you after high school? What what really happened after that? After high school, so the first semester of my senior year in high school, I uh, I went on an exchange program, and so I studied in Nice, France. I was there for three months, so I learned the language, and I I just had my world expanded, right? Because it wasn't. I realized that not everybody lived in the five square miles around my house or around my high school. And there was this whole other world. And I mean, I was 16, maybe 17. And I was living in a foreign country by myself. You know, my cousin was with me, but he was living at a different house. And I was actually in the middle of one of the worst relationships I've ever had. (laughs) It was just bad. And my parents were actually trying to get me away from this guy by like sending me on this trip. But I was just heartbroken the entire time that I was there because I I didn't understand what was happening, you know, or I saw it through my perspective, which was, you know, they hate me or poor me or, you know, they're not letting me do what I want to do. And when I came back, I remember talking with one of my counselors or one of my teachers at the time and saying, I'm just ready to be done with this. Like, I'm ready to be done with high school like this, this is so pointless because I'm not going to use any of the stuff that I'm learning here in real life. I've just experienced how big and vast the world is and how many different people there are. And these girls are worried about that girl over there talking crap about them. You know what I mean? It would just, it just seems so petty. I was like, these people don't understand that there's so much more to life than what they've experienced so far. And, um, you know, as I graduated the last semester of my senior year, I had to work exceptionally hard because I had been gone and the credits that I thought were going to transfer over didn't. So I was short like eight credits or something ridiculous like that. So I was going to high school during the day. I was going to night school at night. And I think I also did adult school somewhere in the middle. (laughs) And so I was just in school all the time so that I could graduate on time with my class. And it was like the principal had to make an exception for me so that I could do it because it was the first time that someone was enrolled in all three uh, schools at the same time. But I think once I got out of high school, I just had this like sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God that's done and over with. And I was still kind of entangled in this relationship. And so there was 
a lot, I was having a lot of like self-esteem issues. I was having issues at home because they weren't really thrilled about it. Um, I was kind of, you know, living with him and then going back home and it was just bad. And that went on for about a year, I would say. And then it just kind of, I don't know what happened exactly, but I just decided one day, like one of those times that we were off again, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I am so done with this. And I remember I had long hair and I went and I cut my hair. And, you know, they say that like when a woman cuts her hair, she's ready to change her life. Right. I guess it's true because I did. And pretty shortly after that, I met my husband, the man that I married. And, uh, you know, and that was really kind of like a, a pivotal point for me where where I went from like this rebellious teenager who was entangled in this like awful relationship and like fighting with her parents to, Oh, like I know who this guy is. Like I want to marry him. Like I want to have a relationship and a family and kind of set me off on that course. It seems like from an early age relationships and, you know, finding a significant other was very important to you because from from what I'm hearing, it seems like school didn't really interest you. you mm-hmm. I, I believe you used the term daydreamy, which I thought was funny. Um, and then when you went off to to France for that time and then came back, you know, you're just totally over the the whole um, high school scene with with the petty problems that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it seems like relationships are very important from a from a very early age. Um, can you talk about why you think that that was so important to you at such a, such a, from, from such a young age? Yeah. So my, I think obviously my parents put a high priority on relationship, right? Like they've been married for so long and they've been married for that long because my mom was 16 and my dad was 18 years old when they met and they had one of these like whirlwind romances where it was kind of like Romeo and Juliet-esque, right? Where, you know, her parents didn't want him to, they didn't want them to be together. And they went and they eloped and they went, you know, they were married and had uh, six years before they had me. And so my mom and my dad have grown up together, right? And they they very much are in their roles of like, this is the man of the house and this is the woman of the house and this is what we do. And they never hid anything from me in their relationships. If they, if in their relationship, if they were angry with each other, I knew that they were upset, right? They, they, they would have full on conversations about business. Like they started companies together. They were very entrepreneurial. Um, and so they started businesses together. They, told me all about how they met and how they came to this country and like what they, what they've had to do to really make something of themselves and to kind of give me a better start in life than they thought they had had. Um, and, and, but it was always them together. It was always us, right? Like they've always done everything together. And so I think that that, that was what I saw and that was what my mother put the most importance on, right? Like if the relationship at home wasn't okay, then nothing else really mattered because this is her partner. You know what I mean? And so, so I think that in a way I was modeling that I was just like, okay, this is, this is the important thing. And I can tell you to this day, like if there is something in my relationship that feels slightly off, like I'm, I'm just like, Hey, what's going on? Like, let's talk about it because this is, this is my 
it's the nucleus of me, right? Like this is where I, I gain my power. This is where I gain my confidence. This is the anchor that allows me to like float and drift off and go as far out to the edge of what I'm doing as possible because I know that I can come back and this is my safe space. And so, so I think that I'd always been kind of searching for that because I saw it displayed and I saw it displayed in such a beautiful way that I understood that it's not always rainbows and butterflies. Like there are challenges and there are ups and downs and there are times where you may want to, you know, get a divorce. Like my mom always told me, she's like, the one reason that we've never gotten divorced is because neither of us has wanted to do it at the same time, <laughs> which I thought was great. Right. It's like, it's good advice. Like you're, you're going to get to the point where you like can't stand that person. But as long as one of you guys is willing to say like, Hey, this is what's important. Like, this is what we're creating. This is the life that we're building. You can continue moving forward. And so I think that's why the focus is there. So you got out of that not so good relationship and you met um, your then husband. Mm -hmm. um, how did that journey unfold for you from that point? So I got married in 2004 uh, we we were living in San Diego at the time, and we decided that we were going to move to Vegas and uh, kind of take advantage of what was happening with real estate. And so we moved to Vegas. We made a whole bunch of money, like a whole bunch. We got married. And in 2007, I was pregnant with my first, with my son, who's 11 now. And obviously the market crashed, right? Like right before uh, I had Isaac. And we were just kind of like, holy crap, like we own all of this real estate. Like we had five houses and a triplex, I think at the time. And uh, David was running a real estate company. And so all of the agents kind of started coming. So he wasn't hitting his bonuses because the agents were coming in and they weren't making sales. And we were still fine. But he, we just started seeing what was happening. And all of our homes that were rented out our tenants started having money issues. And so as they started defaulting on their, uh, you know, rent payments, we started using all of our cash to continue paying for these houses and living on our credit cards. And so it just really snowballed to the point where I remember one day David came home and I was like, I did all of the numbers. Like I made a spreadsheet, which I hate, but like I had to see it. And I was like, we've got about three months before we need to decide if we're going to pay the houses or we're going to like live, like pay our credit cards so that we have space on them to like live. And up until that point, we had been incredibly stressed out because we were trying to make it all work. Right. And I remember that day he said, OK, he's like, then let's call an attorney and we'll figure out what the deal is with the bankruptcy and we'll go from there. And I was like, okay. And I went to sleep that night. And I remember waking up the next day and I was just like, all of the stress was gone because I didn't have to think about what we were going to do. We had a plan in place. Right. And so, uh, because there were so many homes that were defaulting at the time, we were able to stay in our house for like a year almost and we took all of the money that we would have been paying for the mortgage there and we invested it into building a new business for David. And so he was now traveling across the country and 
actually striking up relationships with asset managers, the banks that were getting these houses back, and then redistributing them with real estate agents across the country. So he did really well there. And at that point, you know, I was probably pregnant with my second. It was about 2009. And as as his business kind of took off and he was spending more and more time away from home, we found ourselves kind of living this separate life. And, um, that's, that's really where we kind of had our come to Jesus moment, right? Because eventually I found out that there had been an affair on his side, but I was about six months into an affair of my own by the time I found out. And so I, as, as uncomfortable as it was and undesirable, I understood what had caused him to go down that path because I had taken the sense, the same steps myself. Right. So we did a lot of work, um, with each other to like really fix the relationship, to really dig deep and figure out what had happened, what we hadn't been saying, how we were showing up, um, what fears and just all these kinds of things that, that would be going on. And we kept going for a couple of years until we just kind of sat down one day and I was like, you know, I don't think that this is what you really want. And that's okay. You know, like it's, it's really okay. And we were never unhappy. That was the really interesting part was that we loved each other so much. We have such a great friendship that we like, it was working, you know, but I was like, it's working, but is it fulfilling? Like, is it really what you want to do? And, and I think that at that point we were comfortable enough and honest enough with each other to say, no, it's not. And that's okay. You know, and, and things will be better for everybody if we just decide to go our separate ways. And so we did. And that was in 2014. We'd been married at that point for 10 years. And, uh, and we have a beautiful relationship now. Like we were able to co-parent the kids. Um, there isn't really anything I can not, you know, that I wouldn't tell him. I literally like, that's my presentation for funnel hacking live next week. And I called him last night and I'm like, Hey, can I run, can I run through it with you? Like, I'd love your feedback or for your help. And he totally just hops on a call and does it. The kids run around and you know, it's, it's really great, especially with the kids because they'll, excuse me, they'll tell me, you know, we see our friends at school and their parents are divorced and they don't get along. Like they can't talk about their dad or, you know, they have to call them and go outside so that the mom doesn't hear or vice versa. And they're like, we're really glad that you and daddy are friends and that you guys still love each other. And, you know, I don't I don't know that there's a better gift that I could have given them, because if we had tried to continue the relationship past where we did, there was a good chance that we would have that it would have deteriorated to the point where we wouldn't have been able to be friends. So going through all of all of those experiences and and becoming wise in, in that area, what were some of the things that you learned that would help people in relationships who could be heading down a path that they may not want to be going down? Um, I mean, <clears throat> first and foremost, the relationship that needs fixing, right? Because everyone's like, oh, like I want to fix my relationship. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's just you, right? Like your insecurities, your beliefs about yourself, your expectations of other people, um, your level of self 
self-care and self-love and your willingness to step into honesty and discomfort and vulnerability and just really allow yourself to be seen. Um, I think that's, that was the biggest lesson for me because, you know, <clears throat> even though we both had these affairs, the, you know, there's three, there's three questions that I asked myself that really were the catalyst for me changing my life. And the first one was, how did I create this? Right? Because every single situation in your life, you have a hand in creating, whether you want to admit it or not. And the, the problem is that most people are walking around denying it, thinking that everything is happening to them, right? They're the victims of their lives. Uh, but by, by deciding, by not deciding, by moving, by taking action, by staying quiet or by saying something, you are creating the very next moment of your life. And so I asked myself, how did I create this? Right? How did I create my husband having an affair? And it's like, well, I don't want to answer that question, right? Like, the, no, it's his fault. Like, he did it. No, okay, like, ask again. Like, how did I create this? And I could see, like, I could see where I didn't show up, where I didn't ask the right questions, where I didn't give it my all, where I could have shown up better than I was. And that doesn't excuse his behavior because he made choices all on his own. But I know that I was 50% of that interaction, right? The second thing is, what can I learn from this, right? Like now that I know how I created the situation and what the consequences, both intended and unintended are, what can I learn from this? And then the third thing is, how do I apply that moving forward? Because at some point in my life, I'm going to encounter this situation again. It may not be the exact same thing, but the feelings, the consequences, the results may be the same, right? The person, the behavior, then what am I going to do? And so that, that really helped me hone in on taking personal responsibility, finding the lesson in the mess, regardless of how big or small it is, and then making sure that I apply that moving forward. Um, and, you know, things just got infinitely better because now I know that as I move through life, I'm constantly moving towards something that I want rather than away from something that I want. And I'm aware that regardless of which action I take, there are consequences intended and unintended, right? And as I move forward and say yes to something, I'm saying no to everything else. And so it's just, it's just about becoming very, very intentional. So after all of this happened and you've grown a lot, you've learned a lot, you've been through a heck of a lot. And you start writing on Facebook, I believe that's what you said. You, you started using that as your personal diary. Why did you choose writing as your um, catharsis, if you will? Why was that the go-to? Oh, I don't think I chose writing. Writing chose me. <laughs> I've always, always, since I can remember, uh, been a writer. Like, I have journals galore. Um, it's writing is a, it's a part of me. It's, it's not something I do. Like it's, it's who I am. And I think that the reason I like it so much is because when we're thinking or processing a situation or an experience, there's the voice in our head, right? And it's talking to us and it's saying things and we have feelings that come up that don't have any logic behind them. It's just 
it, it's like a hit, right? You're just like, oh crap, like I'm sad or oh shit, I'm like angry. Um, and the timeline gets really blurry about what happened and when it happened and how it happened. And writing something down forces you to make sense of it, right? And as you see the, the piece coming together, it either makes sense or it doesn't, and it serves you or it doesn't. And we have the ability to choose the words to describe the instances and experiences in our lives. And if I say I was devastated, it's a much different experience than I was confused, right? Like I, and so, so words are incredibly important to me because I believe that the story we tell ourselves about the life we're living or about the things that we're experiencing or the relationships that we're in create the feelings that we attach to those experiences, to those people, to those relationships. And so if I can tell myself a better story about the situation that I've just experienced or gone through, I can then take that from something that would stop someone dead in their tracks and make it into a stepping stone for myself that will help me get to my next level, to my next best. When it comes to that story, that the story that you tell yourself about the things that just happened to you how like how do you know that you are like like how how do you catch it before you automatically create an assumptive story if if that makes any sense like like cuz i would assume if you're not conscious about that story then either your conscious mind or your subconscious mind will just attach something to that so it sounds like you're almost consciously going in and like reprogramming that story how is that what you're doing like how what exactly does that process look like um i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of contemplation right there's a there's there's the experience there's a stimulus that enters your your experience and there's your reaction, right? Which is what you're talking about. Like the automatic story that your brain is going to attach to it. And most, most often those stories that we attach are generated from our insecurities or from our feelings of not worthiness because they're never, I shouldn't say never, but they're rarely something that's supportive of us, right? It's usually like, Oh, like, of course that happened. Like all men are bad. And it's like, no, that's like a really bad story. Like not, not all men are bad. Right. Um, and I think that, that, that pause is where you get to respond to something rather than react to something. And so if I can be an observer of my experience and say, wow, that's really interesting that that just happened. What am I going to choose to interpret that as right? Like, am I going to go with my knee jerk reaction which is probably a pretty shitty story, or am I going to spin this, right? I'm going to become my own PR person and be like, okay, this just happened. I can't do anything about the fact that this happened because arguing with reality, she's going to win every single time, right? Like it happened. What am I going to do with it, right? If life gives you lemons, are you going to make lemonade? Like that's, that's the question that you're asking yourself constantly. And it's like stimulus is here. Reaction is here. The space in between that is where you get to respond. And it's the, the, you have the ability to respond, right? So it's like, you're responsible for the meaning that you attach to something. I feel like at least for most people, it's probably difficult 
to uncover that space between stimuli or the 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 thing that causes the uh, response. I guess stimuli is the best word, and then that reaction, right? And if you can't or you're not able to at this time identify that space and get really wrapped up in the emotion before you insert that choice to have a different emotion and reaction Mm -hmm. then that could almost lead to like a tailspin right if i mean sometimes it could be you know a good thing you're like oh yes it's amazing but then other times it could be a negative a negative story Mm -hmm. so if right now it's difficult to insert that that space insert that choice into there before the reaction kicks in and then you just get sucked into the emotion and all logic then goes out of the window how do you insert that space i think you just start asking yourself a better question right like tony robbins says all of the time if you ask yourself a better question you're going to get a better answer and so if i do get triggered by something because that's what it is right you get there's a stimulus and you're like like now i'm pissed right like my daughter broke something and now i'm going to fly off the handle because that's what you do right and i'm like now i'm pacing the hall and i'm like oh like she's so irresponsible like that was my favorite thing that she just broke and da 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 and i catch myself in it right i see myself angry and i'm like what story must i believe in order to create this feeling and do i want to stay in this feeling sometimes you just want to be mad right like there's nothing wrong with anger or sadness or any of those things but when i find myself in an emotion, I tend to like literally sit down with the feeling and be like, oh, hey, sadness, what's up? Like, why are you here? Right? Because a lot of people try to suppress their emotions or they try to pretend like it's not happening or they try to like push them aside. But the only thing that happens is it gets louder, right? It's like we have five senses and then we have feelings and the feelings show up because they want to tell you something. They're like, hey, you're sad about this. Like, this isn't okay right? Like give it some attention, let it tell you why it's there. And then you can be like, okay, cool. Like I got it. Thank you. Right? Like it, it, you, there's no space in my day today for me to be sad or mad or pissed off or like jealous or insecure. Like I know it's there. Like it's not that I don't have any insecurities, but like, I just don't give them as much attention. It's like, oh, like you think you should lose five pounds. Okay. That's great. But like, I have to go give a speech. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's no space for that here. So you acknowledge it, you say, hey, like I see that you're right there. Why don't you go ahead and give me the message that you have for me? And if I have time, I'll address it. If not, like at least you made me aware, like you can go back to where you came from, you know? I I think that was an amazing, um, you know, bunch of value that that, you you just shared here on, on the interview. And to everybody who's listening, I would highly encourage you to go back and really listen a couple times to what Yara is saying because there was so much there. There were so many gems that were like layered on each other that I'm not even sure I caught it all. I'm doing my best here, but <laughs> I highly encourage everybody to, to go back and listen through a couple times. There's some really, really cool stuff. Um, so, so you're writing mm-hmm. and you're expressing yourself and writing chose you. It's this huge passion of yours. And then it also seems like you have an extraordinary amount of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Do you believe that those two are 
interlinked and, and you may have touched on it a little bit before but but I'd really like to drill down into if you think there is a connection there and what that connection really is. I think there is a connection there. Um, I think it's mostly because I've captured my journey, right? Like I've, I've studied myself, if that makes any sense, because as I write, I learn. And as I learn, I process. And then I see examples of the same thing, because I think that if, a, if, if a lesson is true, it's true everywhere, right? Like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if, if this principle works in relationships, it works in business, it works in writing, it works in marketing, it works in nature. Like it's like money, right? Like, um, a lot of people are really scared with money. They have a bad relationship with money. And so when they have it, they want to hold it and they don't want to spend it. And it's like, well, no, like you have to, like money needs to flow. It needs to move just like we inhale and we exhale and the tide comes in and it goes out and the sun rises and it sets and the moon waxes and wanes and like crops grow and then they're harvested, right? Like that's just the natural, it's the true rule of the world, right? And so who are we to think that we would always have a blossoming harvest, you know, a blossoming season. Like, no, there's going to be winter, there's going to be spring, there's going to be fall, there's going to be summer. Um, and so I think as I've, as I've done that with myself and then having worked with hundreds of people going through relationship stuff with them and mindset stuff and like money blocks and, you know, self-sabotaging patterns. And like, you just start seeing patterns with people that you're like, wow, like I've been there. I've done that. I know the solution to this. And you start finding the stories in your, in your arsenal that you can use to illustrate those points that you're trying to make and to make them more relatable, right? Because a lot of these are very esoteric, you know, uh, concepts that are difficult for people to grasp. But when you put them in a context of something that they're used to, um, it becomes something that's, that's that's palatable to them and that they can actually receive and then go and do something in their lives with. Because I think one of the biggest problems I encountered with my coaching students was that they they were like, oh yeah, I do personal development. And I'm like, yeah, watching a YouTube video about a guy like F-bombing you every five seconds isn't necessarily personal development. Like you've heard it, you're not doing it, right? And so I was like, how do we get the concepts in the book and the concepts in the videos and the concepts from the, you know, events that you're going to and put boots on the ground and actually do the work? Like, how do we get you to do the work? And I found that the best way to do that was to share my experience of how I had done the work and let them go on that journey with me and learn right alongside with me, right? And I was like, hey, I remember what it was like to be terrified that like the, the last $5 in my bank account was all I was ever going to have. But like there had to be movement there and I had to start going out and adding value to the world so that that value could come back to me. Right. And I had to do things that I was uncomfortable with. And I had to figure out like hone my craft and hone my skills and like learn some shit that I, you know, do something that was different and that felt uncomfortable at the time, but that actually was growing me and stretching me and making me a better person. Right. And, and it's, uh, I think it's very scary for people sometimes to know who they are. And even if they're un uncomfortable or unhappy with who they are, they're comfortable even in that discomfort, right? They're just like, oh, like, I don't like this. But in order to become who they might become, 
there has to be a departure from who they are and they step into the unknown, right? And that's the messy middle. And so in that messy middle, they're like, wait, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, I don't know if I like Diet Coke or regular Coke, like, ah, identity crisis, right? And so the natural tendency, instead of pushing forward and saying, okay, I don't know who I am right now and I'm really uncomfortable and it's kind of scary and I feel alive, right? Because I like all my senses are on because I'm trying to figure this out and move forward into who I want to be and do the things that are new and that are going to get me there, most people will shrink back and be like, oh no, that was, that, that wasn't cool. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay small and I'm going to stay being this person because it's what I've always known. And it's what the people around me have always known. Cause that's happens too, right? As you step out, the people around you are like, you've changed. I'm like, yeah, I hope I've changed. Like I did a lot of work to change, you know? So when you really got into the writing and, and into, um, and, and I mean, specifically on Facebook, mm -hmm. how did that, how did that grow? Like how, how did the people really start to respond to you? I mean, were you, were you writing daily? Were you writing, um, many times a day, once a week? Like what did that look like on your end? And then how did that really grow specifically? Um, I think I would write whenever I had something to say. I'm not one of these people that, you know, schedules out social media or, um, you know, outsources any of my writing. Like I do all of my writing. And so it was, it was when inspiration struck and it was really, it was, it was telling my story interlaced with bullshit posts, right? Like, Oh, I, I'm having a salad today. Like, or my kid did this, or here's a picture of me somewhere, you know, like they, it was just very, it was a natural posting on Facebook. And I, I don't know, I think it was just the content was relating with people. And so people were sharing it, people were tagging other people. And like my following just grew. I mean, I've had, I've had my Facebook maxed out now for not that that means anything, but close to four years, maybe five years, you know, like the, the entire time pretty much that I've been doing this. And, um, it's, it, my, my business now is very different than what I was doing before. At this point, the people that I'm surrounded by are some super high level entrepreneurs, right? Like they are some of the biggest influencers in the digital marketing space and they're my peers. And so as I came into this business of like, well, I'm going to take on writing for other people and I have that capacity. I think that that's where the emotional intelligence and the, the life experience kind of came in because now not only am I an exceptional writer, but I have an education in marketing and I have an, I have uh, experience in sales so I can take and understand their businesses on a level that most people probably couldn't and help them tailor their messaging and their messages to their audience to grow that, right? And to really communicate and really resonate. And when they share a story with me, I don't require them to find the lesson. I'm just like, you just tell me what's been going on and I'm able to then extract what the lesson is. And what's really cool about that and what happens to me my favorite part about what I do is that I get to coach some of the highest level entrepreneurs through my writing because they give me a story and I process it for them. And I'm like, oh, this is what I see. Like, this is the story that I see. 
and I give it back to them. And when they accept that and they're like, yes, this is what happened. It integrates for them and it helps them heal. It helps them grow. It helps them create a stepping stone for themselves. And then when they share that with their audience, it heals and helps them grow and helps them create a stepping stone. And so I'm really just getting to leverage my message through other people's platforms in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able before. I mean, I'm reaching hundreds of thousands of people every week. As you are working with these very professional, high, you know, big name uh, individuals, very high influence individuals, um, how do you extract that lesson? Like, I'm sure everybody has their own interpretation of how things are. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about we have our own stories that we tell ourselves about what's going on in the world around us. How do you extract that lesson? Like, do you have a process? What's the tactically, like, how do you actually do that? I don't know that, the, that I have a process. I just see it. It's like, a, I guess it's like a superpower, right? I've just I've, I've gone through so much training and just studied human behavior for so long, my own included, that I just, I get a feeling. I have a feeling about what, what the right lesson is, what the right angle is, how to tie it back to their business, because that's, that's the trick, right? It's like, it's not just about a lesson. It's like, how does this relate to the product or service or event or thing that this entrepreneur can actually help them with. And I think the more I get to know my clients and the more comfortable they are with me, the deeper we can go. Right. And I mean, obviously I have an onboarding, you know, uh, process where I just get on the phone with them and I'm like, well, tell me who you are. Like, tell me why you do what you do. Like, I want to know why out of all of the things you could be doing on this planet, you're choosing to help these people overcome this obstacle or this challenge. And it all comes back to like some point in their life, they were experiencing the exact same challenge and had to figure it out for themselves. And now they just want to make it easier for somebody else. Right. But it happens to be a business and in business, when you're asking for somebody to invest in you or with you, you've got to help them get to that point. Right. Because everyone's reluctant at some level and Nobody wants to be taken for a fool or nobody wants to be taken for a ride or being taken advantage of. And so that's where you have to develop that relationship where they know, like, and trust you enough to actually step forward and say, hey, yeah, I do have that problem and I'd love for you to help me with it. Again, to everybody who's listening, there are so many layers here. I <laughs> very much highly encourage you to go back and listen a couple times to all the things that Yara is telling us because – this is some really good stuff that I would assume you have to pay a lot, a lot, a lot of money to uh, to to really learn. Um, earlier in the in in the conversation, you mentioned how um, when when you're emailing people or when when you're um, telling the story, it, it you go for a lot of engagement by asking for a lot of feedback, um, and that really stuck with me um, and that's totally all right it's it stuck with me um, and it seems like a brilliant idea just from the name of it but I would love to maybe explore that a little bit more um, what does that actually look like what does it mean how do you 
how do you execute that? You just ask, right? Like there's, you're going to tell them a story and there's going to be a lesson in that story. There's going to be some challenge, some obstacle that you've encountered and that you've overcome. And so the natural, this is what happens is that people stop thinking of their list as people, right? Like a list isn't yours. Like you don't own it. A list is an audience and an audience is a privilege. And that audience is made up of people just like you and me. Right. But the problem is that we're like, Oh, we're, we're talking to a hundred thousand people. Like we're, we're talking to a list of a hundred thousand and it's like, yeah, a hundred thousand people, right? Like treat them like people. You know, if, if you tell me a story, I'm not just going to sit here and be like, cool. Right. Like I'm going to be like, Oh, I remember a time that I did that. Or I, you know, I've, I rem- I've met somebody like that, or I've been in a situation like that. Like it's a give and a take, right? You're not talking at people you're speaking with them. And so I think that asking them and giving them the opportunity to reply to you is that, that natural conversation that we would have in person just transferred into an email situation, right? Like you just, you want to open the door to communication. Like there is nothing that I hate more than when I get a, like when I get an email and it says, do not reply, right? Like the email address is literally like, do not reply at douchebagmarketer.com, right? Like, no, like really? Like you just, oh, you want to talk to me. You want to sell me your thing. You want me to give you money, but I can't even like reply to this. I'm out, right? Like it's, it's not cool. And that's how most marketers are treating their prospects. Like these are people who at some point in their like nobody gets on your list by accident, unless you're really a douchebag marketer and you're like adding people that shouldn't be there. If not, like at some point they saw something, they read something, they watched something, they saw you at an event, like they had some interaction with you where they were like, huh, I would like to come closer and find out more about who you are and what you do and how you might be able to help me. And if all you do is turn around and be like, buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit. Like, where's the relationship? Like, I'm probably sorry that I even signed up for your email right now. Right. And like, this is the mistake that people are making is that they're so hungry for the sale that they forget to nurture the relationship in order to actually create that sale. And so if you can exercise like an iota of patience and like a semblance of caring about the person that you're trying to market to, which when you really dig down deep, most marketers really do care about their audience, but they get so caught up in like the list measuring contests against other people and in how much money they're making or not making or how people are going to perceive them or are they like, you know, behind or are they the number one affiliate or whatever crap they're like thinking, right? Which goes back to all of the other stuff that we've been talking about. It's like, are like, is your house in order before you go out trying to help other people? Because it's, if it's not, you're going to get caught up in all of this stuff, right? Like you're going to be trying to stroke your own ego, telling yourself how amazing you are, but you're not helping anybody. Right. And so our job is to legitimately pour ourselves into our work and say, I'm here for the long haul. Like I want to help you. And I understand that you may not be ready in this exact moment, but let me tell you a couple stories about how I became the person that might be able to help you. The challenges that I've overcome, the obstacles that I've gone through, who I've had to become in that process so that maybe at the end of that, you'll be ready. And if you are, I'm going to make you an offer. 
If you're not, you're welcome to just like hang out and like learn what you can. Well, it seems like you have a ton of passion for this <laughs> and you're getting me really excited. <laughs> There's so many things now that, um, that are just like popping into my mind. It's kind of hard to, to get it all channeled. Um, but that's amazing. How, when did this really click for you? Like, when did the light bulb go off? Like, aha, this is where these marketers are struggling. This is the, the disconnect. This is the problem that I want to solve. Mm, not too long ago, really. I mean, I knew, I knew a couple years ago that I should, that, that most of the people in the inner circle room should be working with me. Right. I was just like, ah, oh. Like I could help all of these people. Like it's so, it was so frustrating for me. And I was just like, I just don't have the right funnel. Like I don't have the right marketing. I don't have the right offer. That's what I thought. Uh, but I knew everyone in there was my client and I couldn't figure out how to do it. But nobody wanted to raise their hand and be like, oh, I'm having relationship problems, you know? And, and not, that's not to say that everyone in inner circle has relationship problems because they don't. They're a really happy bunch. But I knew there was like tweaks that needed to be made. Like they there was more available for them. And it was driving me crazy to know that and not be able to do something about it. And I think, I think when I started writing for Jamie's audience, I really, I really saw how much she had to say and how, how much, how hard she had struggled for so long to create this product and how much passion she had behind it and how much, like how many sleepless nights and like how difficult it was to do it with like her four kids. And then we got into like her being raised on a farm and her dad, like having her and her brother be like super entrepreneurial and they didn't have a lot of money. And like the, the, the juxtaposition with like her position now where she has this like million dollar business or multi-million dollar business and like, not having food. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was so crazy to me. And I think I just kept thinking if your audience knew this, they would a hundred percent buy your product, but they don't know. You're not saying this. I was like, there's so much behind the scenes that you're not talking about and that you're not saying like, why aren't you saying this? And she's just like, well, I never, I didn't think it was important. And I'm like, ah, this is everything. Like, this is the business. Like you are the, like, we all have to remember that we are the business, that our businesses are an extension of ourselves. And we are calling out to and resonating with people who see what we've created and who want that for themselves or some version of that. Right. And so by telling them how we did it, they get to do it too in their own way. Like no one's going to come and be like dethrone me or whatever as like the story seller. Like that's my thing, right? Like it's what I created based on all of the things that we're talking about, right? Like from when I was before high school and like relationships and like trying to figure this whole thing out. I've been in this space forever. I just finally learned how to convey that message with enough authority and with enough conviction and with enough passion and with enough confidence. And I became the person who can help other people tell their stories because of all of the experience that I have and because of how I was raised and because of what I've studied and because of who I surround myself with, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's a hard, it's a kind of difficult question to answer. I don't, I don't really know. 
when you know we we've been talking a lot about um how you got to where you are now right and uh, i appreciate you sharing so transparently everything that that um every every part of you and um you know i think that just kind of reinforces what you've been saying of share your story be authentic just lay it all on the line because that's what you know that's what it takes that's what that's what will help you really connect with with other people um but can you talk a little bit about what you're doing right now like what is your biggest focus at this exact moment in time my presentation at funnel hacking live (laughs) i'm speaking in front of 4500 people next friday and i've never spoken to a crowd that big. I think the biggest audience I've had before is like 150 people. So it's a significant jump. Um, it's, it's an absolute honor. Like I'm, you know, James and I are really good friends with Russell Brunson and we've been in his space for a really long time. We've been to every single funnel hacking live. And I think from the very first time I was there, I was sitting in the audience and just one of my friends, Trey Llewellyn was on stage and I was like, man, like, that's so cool. Right. Like, but it was at that point, it was like, they're so cool. Like that's amazing for them. Like it wasn't a possibility for me. Right. And as I've gone to the next couple, like I think the next one was in San Diego. And at that point I knew most of the speakers, right. They were my friends. And then we went to Dallas and in Dallas, I knew every single one of the speakers. And I just remember, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you have this like thought And I think I'd had it every single year, but I was just like, I want to do that, you know? And, but I never gave it much thought. Like, it was just like this fleeting, like, oh, that'd be so cool, but I'm not like them, right? Like that was the thought. And in Dallas, I remember I was just like, you know, I have everything that I need to get up on that stage. Like I, I know my thing, like I'm, I'm articulate, like I can speak well, I have the passion for it. Like I, I just don't have the numbers, right. That like support me being up there. And I went up to our inner circle coach actually to Mandy Keene. And I remember she was standing in the back of the room and I remember going up to her and saying, Mandy, you know what? Like if I don't make something of this now, it's not because I can't, it's because I don't want to, it's because I don't really want it. And I don't know what happened in that moment, but like a switch went off in me where I was like, I do want it. Like, I do want to do something with this. I do want to write for these people. I do want to grow this business. And within, I mean, I think that Funnel Hacking Live, I was sitting in the audience. It was March. I was making $2,500 a month consistently for my coaching business, which wasn't, I mean, a a, a tremendous accomplishment. But for me, I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm consistent, right? And I'd had, you know, bigger months and whatever, but by the time that was end of March, by the end of April, I had had my first $25,000 month. Like just, it was just, it happened so fast. And from since then, I feel like Wiley Coyote strapped to the back of a rocket, right? I'm just like, like going. And for the first couple of months, I was like, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Right. Like I just, I wanted to make sure that it was working and that I was doing everything right. And it's required me to grow, right? Like I had to learn how to run a business. I had to hire somebody. I had to like implement systems and processes and hire writers. And it's just been one thing after another. But 
everything that I've done has prepared me for what I'm doing now, right? Like I couldn't have run this business four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Um, it's been a process to get here. And so having Russell ask me, like when he voxed me and he's just like, Hey, do you want to speak on stage at Funnel Hacking Live? I was like, Oh, like every single emotion you could imagine, like happened simultaneously. Like I was crying, I was laughing, I was like choking, I was like almost falling, like it was crazy. And since then I've been in this state of what are you going to say, right? Like what do you say when you have 30 minutes in front of 4,500 people and you have something that you're so passionate about and that you know will change everything like it has the potential to like shift the way that we do marketing right like that's that's what I think and so yeah so this board has kind of been my life for the last like two weeks I'm just like okay like this is this is it and this is relatable and this is how they're going to understand what I'm saying and this is how I can encompass everything that I know about mindset and relationships and communication and marketing and like put it in a nice little package that they can pick up and understand and do something with. Well, I wish you the best of luck um, <laughs> on the, at the event. And, you know, if, if I, I can only say that, um, you know, it, I can't make it there to the, to the event this year, but um, I wish I could be in that room <laughs> when you're dropping that fire because it's going to be awesome. It's going to be explosive. So, um, again, congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so we talked about where you've been. Mm -hmm. We talked about where you are now. Where do you see yourself going in the next 5, 10, 20 years? I'm not a big goal setter. I know that that kind of goes against everyone, but – like I said before, I'm more about a feeling, right? Like I want to know, I want to, I want to feel a certain way. I want to feel happy. I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel love. Um, I want to feel connected. And so I think, you know, when I think about the future, I'm just like, I, I want to develop a course. Like I've already developed the course, but I want to kind of dial it in a little bit more and help more writers do what it is that I'm doing. And so I think that that will, that will require or necessitate a new up-leveling in myself. And that will probably bring along with it, you know, financial goals and employee goals and things like that. But I just, I want to help people. Like I really legitimately want to help people. And if that's helping them get their message out, if that's helping the recipients of that message take a step forward and create whatever their dream is. Like I'm, I'm happy as long as people are moving in a positive direction towards what they want. Like that's, that's, that's what fulfills me, right? Like a, would a two CCX award be cool? Like, yeah, but does it change what I'm doing or who I am? Not really. You know, it's just another trinket to put on a wall and it's a great trinket. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a, it's an incredible accomplishment, but that's not what I'm after. I, I would say that if I did win a two CCX award, because it's that that means that you made a million dollars with one funnel, I would be more proud of the fact that I was able to help that many people than the monetary gain of that, if that makes any sense. So again, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the interview. It has been an absolute pleasure being able to, to share this time with you. Um, I do have a few more questions. We've, we've talked a lot about relationships. Mm 
building mm-hmm. relationships in, 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 in many different facets. Relationships between, um, in, in a romantic sense, relationships between uh, business owners and, and, and their customers and, and the creator and their audience. Um, and one of the things that is a foundation of this show um, is along that same vein is, is connection, right? True human connection because there's connection between us as friends, um, you know, between us as guest and host, between you and, and the wonderful people listening and between me and them. And then um, they have, you know, their own, their own connection. So I'm very interested in learning what is your philosophy on true, deep, and meaningful human connection? I think it's built on showing up and allowing yourself to be seen. Like that's, that's really it, right? I, I don't want to meet whomever you think that you're supposed to be for me. And I don't want to show up as some random figure, you know, figment of our imagination of who I think you think I'm supposed to be, right? And so when I show up and allow myself to be seen as I am, without any negative attachment to who I've been or what has occurred in my life or what I've done, and no expectation of what's yet to come, I can be present and I can hold space for whatever your experience or your process is. Like, I don't need anything from you in order to be good, right? And and hopefully that's reciprocated and that's where like real connection happens, right? Because it's like, hey, like I'm I'm good. Like I'm whole and complete as I am and I'm showing up because I think I can add some value. And if I can, amazing, right? And if you can add value back, that's awesome, but I don't need it, right? Like I'm not in need of anything from you in order to be, good and be happy and be complete and be content. Um, and I think that for most people, most people show up to relationship in search of something. They need something. They want something. They're trying to get something. There's an alter, there's an ulterior motive. And that doesn't mean that it's negative or that it's bad. It simply means they're, they don't feel complete. They don't feel whole. They don't feel worthy. They don't feel enough. And so they're looking for that validation, for that acceptance, for that uh, pat on the back to say, hey, yeah, like that was that was good. You know, I love you or you're good enough or thanks. And so there's a lot of people pleasing and stuff that happens. So I think I think the relationships I value the most in my life are those where I can show up and be seen and allow myself to be seen. And the other person does the same because then it's just like. This is a relationship built on choice. Like we're both choosing to be here. We're not here out of necessity or out of obligation or out of expectation. I think that was a beautiful answer. And I know this is probably the third time that I'm I'm saying this, but seriously, everybody listening, (laughs) go back and listen a few times because there are some serious gems um, of of extreme value that, that have been spread throughout this this whole interview and not coming from me all from you so so i highly encourage everybody to to go back and listen um i have a few more questions for you and, and again i really appreciate your time this far um, i just have to jump at like 
probably in like the next three or four minutes because I've got another call that I've got to go on. Okay. Um, so then two more questions. The first is, uh, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that I did not ask you about today? In other words, what did I miss? Hmm. Um, I don't know that there really is like, I mean, every, I think everything kind of comes out, right? Like I, I'm an individual who like highly values relationships. And I think that's very clear <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, writing is, is one of my biggest passions. I like, I live and breathe for my relationship. Like my, my boyfriend, James is like amazing. Like he's my favorite person in the entire world. And he's, I believe that he is my anchor so that I can go out and do and come back and feel safe. And I think when I lose myself, I'm able to find myself in his, in his eyes, right? Like that's where I go. That's my safe place. Um, my kids are obviously, you know, two of my, my favorite individuals. Like I love them just as much as I want to strangle them, but they're my biggest teachers, you know, like I get to see my patterns and, and things that, I may not be consciously aware of play out in them. Cause I'm like, where did they pick that up? They have to have seen that somewhere. And I'm like, Oh crap, it's me. <laughs> right. And so they're constantly teaching me and encouraging me and, and nudging me in the direction of growth and, and just being a better person. Um, I think that, you know, being a part of the click funnels community is, is a huge part of who I am as well. Like I'm, I'm privileged enough to be in, a, a group of people who are all forward facing and on the edge of their respective industries. And it's like, I feel like, I feel like I'm able to see that much further because of them, right? Because they're spearheading things or they're going out in their own directions. And I'm able to learn from all of their experiences. Um, I think one part of my business that not a lot of people get to see or understand is that I do have direct communication with some of these influencers, right. And some of these thought leaders and they're dropping like the raw gold, like it's undeveloped, it's unrefined. Like, it's just like, Hey, this happened. And I'm just getting these messages and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like these are these are the the nuggets, right? Like these are the gold lessons and I'm the one that gets to actually polish those up and then send them out into the world. And so it's almost like I'm getting to be coached by all of these amazing people. Um, but nobody really knows, you know? And so I think that's really cool. Um, I don't know. There's, there's, I, I think that we're, it's difficult. It's a difficult question to answer because we're all so multifaceted it just really depends on which side of me the light is hitting on, you know, and that's what you're going to see. And I think right now we've, we've touched on quite a bit. So, <laughs> so last question for you. Um, and it's a bit of a selfish question. So I, uh, appreciate you, you humoring me. Um, I'm 24 years old. I have a couple different businesses and you know, the show is my greatest passion. Um, what question should I be asking you? that I just wouldn't think to ask? Hmm. That's a great question. I don't know.
I think it would be interesting. I don't think you asked it directly, but I think the answer came out regardless. But I think asking me or people in general why they do what they do would be a good addition because I think that it gives people an opportunity to open up about why they're actually like the why behind the action, right? Like, why do they get up in the morning and do this? Like, why do they choose the hard path? Like, why is this, why is this what they have to do? So that's what I got. That's all I got. <laughs> well, thank you Yara so much um, to everybody who's listening. Thank all of you so much. Y'all the reason that, uh, that we do this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love y'all so very much. Um, Yara, you want to wrap us up? Uh, I don't know what to say. Sure. <laughs> How do you wrap it up? <laughs> Maybe drop a really cool tagline and people will remember you by. Oh man. I don't know. We can just go with, you know, when you, when you know better, you do better. That's what my parents taught me. And I think that that's, that's what I, that's what I look for every single day. Like what can I learn from every single person that I come into contact with that will help me be a better version of myself tomorrow. That's fantastic. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. This has been a Project Egg interview where we interview entrepreneurs so that you can build your business, create your dream life, so that we can all live in a better world together. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.